We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Got so, it. Jeremy, we need to start our own podcast and just leave Khan on the desk because he just informed us that he's never seen Lord of the Rings, which like... You don't have you don't have to like it, but I feel like everyone has to have at least seen it. It's a sin. Like <laughs> like that's not even like you know. There's those people out there that are think it's cool that they've never seen Star Wars and like ah oh, whatever. No, but like Lord of the Rings, there's like there's nothing assuming about that. You just you just you see it. <laughs> it's storytelling. <laughs> so when did it when did it come out? Like we were probably in, in middle schoolish. The, the first the one first was one? 2001, I believe. Okay, yeah, so middle school. I definitely went to the movie theater, but I fell asleep. Only time that's ever happened. <laughs> I guess uh, epic fantasies are just not your thing then, maybe. I just, I don't get, I don't get Lord of the Rings. I don't get Star Wars. I don't get some of those really cultish, you know, type of uh, Harry Potter I'm okay with. Uh, I, I like the books much better than than the movies. If I had to pick, but I don't. I don't like the what was it Twilight or, or whatever that was more recent that, yeah, that everybody that, loves. That's like teenage girl fiction. Okay, well, e- either way, I Game of Thrones. I everyone loves that. I never could get into it. Toddy loves it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So just you're just not a sci-fi fantasy. Oh, guy, sorry. So. Uh, that was just caught in my throat there. Uh, uh, what was that again? Um, you don't like Game of Thrones that much, but your wife loves it. Howdy's gonna totally kill me. Uh, and I think that's a great name. Uh, so I just good. feel like a certain work of fantasy may have influenced it a little bit. It didn't. Not at all. Uh, it, to some extent, it did, right? Because before Game of Thrones. No one ever knew what that name was. So well, okay, that that may be true. That the so the name the the reason the name got in my head in the first place was from Judd Apatow's show Love, and um, his daughter, his oldest daughter, plays the character named Arya in the show, and that was the first time I was ever like, hmm, that that's an interesting name. Like if we had a girl, maybe, may, maybe that's it. So Matt, you're definitely right that maybe. Game of Thrones influenced Judd Apatow, but it it didn't directly influence me, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I actually heard uh, Love is Pretty Good. One of my favorite comedians is in the series and liked it, but also makes fun of himself for the scenes he did. So I, I got to check it out. <laughs> it's a good show. Yeah, I watched it. It's very it. good. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the woman who plays Britta um, on yeah, Community, from Community. I was just is, gonna say. is Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. Gillian, Gillian Jacobs, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah she's, she's really awesome. good. Yeah, dude, I can't. I really can't believe that you guys let this happen. I, I blame I, Ethan. Ethan, I, you knew him in middle school. Wait, let what yeah. happen? Oh no, I'm st- I'm talking specifically about the fact that Ethan's just chomping away on a chicken bone right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mesmerized over here. <laughs> Wait, well, that's why you notice the you. look at the lighting. Oh, now it's now it's brighter in in but. But before it was like dark the way the way your head was, so it was like you were trying to hide. <laughs> Wait, so what are you eating? Um, some Korean fried chicken. Ooh, yeah, it's nice. fucking delicious. Ooh, there's a couple spots. Uh, I want to say it's like a Philippine fried chicken or something that's like also starting to come to, to the United States. There's a, a, a 
Jolly Bee, I think is the chain. Jolly Bee. I feel like I've heard of that before. Yeah, it's it's grown pretty quick. Uh, and it's one of those like, oh man, I want to try it. So wait, yeah, Jer- cool. Jeremy, where where are you right now? Are you uh in the the Green Mountains or the Rockies? Oh, I'm back in the Green Mountains. I've okay. been back okay. for a while, yeah. Okay, I, I, I couldn't remember where you were if you were still out in the Rockies or not, but um. no, unfortunately that uh part of life has uh ceased to exist at this point wow but like didn't you go out for a couple weeks recently that's i knew i knew you've been permanently back in in vermont but didn't you go out for a couple weeks recently or am i just oh i'm going out next month i'm going to go snowboarding ah that's okay aren't you coming with us in uh in july yeah i'm going to go back out again yeah Yeah, he'll be there nice yeah i'm excited for that yeah it's gonna be fucking amazing yeah so i think i think i'm gonna lead right into this Colin. i don't know if you've got anything to start but i was gonna ask I was going to ask uh, the young master Ertz to update us on his career because I I still think that's really freaking sweet. And if, if you don't want to talk about it, you could just say fuck off, Matt. But um, <laughs> like, I just like I want to know how it's going. Right? Like, I see I see you post on social media. I know you've got new responsibilities up at up at higher ground. Um, sure. How's um, it going? It's it's great. It's like a dream job. Um, it's pretty surreal, you know. I was kind let's, of uh, for those who don't know. Let's uh, give a little background on what you do there, Jeremy. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm a talent buyer, so I book bands. And we, uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, yep. yeah. Put on events and stuff like that at the biggest music venue in the state of Vermont. It's a, a, a very famous in the biggest music venue in Vermont. Yeah, Higher Ground. Yeah, that place. Yep. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, got to really, you know. Uh, sorry. Just like it's a lot to process right now. I also um, just sprung this on him, so yeah. yeah. I, I I didn't come with my uh, my index cards. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, I'm getting to book bands that I'm really excited about. I've had a few uh, sellouts already, so that's pretty cool. Um, not that I really did anything aside from make a deal, and then everyone else did the work. But just to say, show I booked sold out, and a few yeah. of them now. Um, that's been pretty cool. Um, and honestly, with the work I was doing before being an ops manager and the manager of the venue itself, um, that that lifestyle gets to you pretty hard. So uh, it, it's a nice change of pace uh, to kind of separate myself from the chaos that is the music industry and the live events industry. I know you probably had it to like uh, orders of magnitude worse, but I feel like I can sympathize just a little bit in terms of <laughs> managing a facility and managing people and just like no matter what no matter how well you've got things planned something goes wrong like like oh shit one of my pieces of equipment just caught on fire or like oh shit you know i don't know uh, what a, a typical like big issue you'd have to to uh address at the venue would be like like all oh, the bands late or something i don't know my my sound equipment's not working or oh something like that like i mean i could i could tell you quite a few horror stories um and it's like it's like right you look around and it's only you like like who else is going to handle it nope it's you like you got to figure it out or else or else <laughs> or else yeah yeah i mean we do a lot of big shows in the summer so i felt that pretty hard last summer when i was the site manager for all those shows and you know you got medicals every other minute it feels like you got people that are needing to be ejected for uh you know all sorts of reasons and being the front of house you got to be the face of the venue and go down and deal with it and uh you know you're dealing with with the customers on that side and passionate fans like you know i've bounced downtown for years and bouncing at a bar is like way different than bouncing uh, a show because for some people those tickets were like the most expensive thing they've bought in weeks or months or whatever and they're passionate, they're stoked and people get carried away. So there's, there's always problems with people. And then on the contrary, with the music industry, it tracks a lot of characters. And so that, that people management aspect of it was a, a really <laughs> tough challenge, um, especially with how spicy some folks are. So, <laughs> well, from what I can tell you, you seem to have escaped without too many gray hairs or any gray hairs. So um <laughs> Yeah. They're growing in the chin these days. Uh, okay, okay. They're, They're creeping up. Uh, but yeah, Not enough top yet, thankfully. Right. But soon, I, I imagine. 
I think I got if I'm I'm the one who's like super gray at the age. I mean, I was already getting gray by 30 and Jeremy and I, as we have joked about many times, uh, we came from the same two people, but you wouldn't know it by looking at us or even maybe talking to us. And so I figure if I've got the gray hairs, Jeremy's in the clear. He's going to have this nice, nice, you know, dirty blonde hair until he's 80, probably. So, <clears throat> I mean, I'd be fine with it. You know, I, I, I'd rock the shit out of it as long as I still <laughs> had hair. That's, that's all I care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just be a long, like, gray mane. Gandalf. We all have hair, don't we? All four of us? Yeah. 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 Doing okay. Yeah. Doing all right. Uh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's probably pretty rare for, yeah. you know, our age. At yeah. least our age, maybe not so much Jeremy, but yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We do have me and Colin. I'm looking, Kyle, I hadn't really paid attention to to you uh, very much, but um, I, I always joke that I have, like, the biggest forehead I've ever seen. But, Kyle, yours is, yours is pretty good, too. I think me and you together, we got we got some pretty fucking impressive foreheads over here. You got a little LeBron going there, Kyle. I'm just so, saying. Uh, you know, <laughs> but hopefully it's not a receding hairline thing. Hopefully our hair will stay right where it is, and it's just big foreheads. Yeah. I, I look at pick. So we had Stella or yeah, we had Stella at the same age or I was the same age as my dad when they had me and there's pictures of my dad in like the front, like front quarter here is already gone in, oh. in his hair. And and now it's like, you know, pretty much all gone at this point. And um, here I am. There you well, go. Right. Three. Don't they say it's, it's the mom, your mom's dad. Oh, yeah, is that what they do? Now. They do say that. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if wonder, that's the uh, case, uh, thank you, Grandpa Willoughby. I'll have a full head of hair. I wonder how, yeah, I wonder how consistent that is. That's interesting. But anyways, I didn't mean, sorry, I didn't mean to like totally derail us. Um, um, <laughs> wait, wait. So brother Jeremy, so you say that you don't get anything, you know, extra for booking sold out shows, but isn't it true that the more sold out shows you get, like the more attention or attracts attraction it'd be more like attractive to other bands right like bigger bands to come play at your venue so like i guess in some ways it probably works to your benefit right yeah i mean there's a lot of nuances um i was kind of hoping we could get into this at one point because i know the last time we were on and maybe an episode after ethan talked about music genre pedantry <laughs> yes, and the whole episode could just be the two of us talking about subgenres, and <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it it's the it's like one big expansive web, and you know, it's really about your market, right? And you know, Burlington's pretty much considered a C market in the grand scheme of things, whereas like New York, Boston, Montreal, all A markets. So we try to catch stuff when we can. Um, our bigger stuff happens in the summer. So we do get like a lot of big sold out shows. I think all of the summer shows, except for one thus far have sold out outside. Yeah. Um, not that I booked those ones. I booked the small room. We got multiple venues within our venue. Um, you, you have an outdoor venue. For the we summer. have multiple. We do um, yeah. at Shelburne Museum, just south of Burlington, a really beautiful spot. And then uh, the fairgrounds over in Essex and the waterfront nice. down in downtown Burlington. That's a really fun spot to do shows. If, <clears throat> weather holds off and people behave themselves um <laughs> but yeah um you know i don't get anything extra and that's that's part of the deal and that's totally fine um i think it's a pretty cool aspect you know like you said i i do think that maybe some folks would see that as an attraction i just what i like about the job itself is just a community and providing like selling what the community wants you know what i mean that's kind like, of like the goal. And for me personally, I've, I've made it a personal goal to really help flourish and um, grow the heavy scene here, uh, which is seemingly on a come up. Uh, and Burlington has a lot of history with punk and hardcore. Um, Bernie started 242 Maine back when he was mayor here in the 80s. And that's uh, at one point. Bernie was, as in Bernie Sanders. Yeah, Bernie Sanders. Sorry. Got that. Every, everyone knows him and just as, you know, Uncle Uncle Bernie. So, um, but yeah, that, you know, a lot of history. He started that venue. It ran for 30 years, I think, as like one of the oldest all ages uh, venues around the country, at least. So there, there used to be back in the late 90s, early 2000s. It was huge up here. And I definitely just want to help bring that in and kind of revitalize that if I can. Um, and now ultimately it's if people show up, um, I'm trying to bands, trying to book bands that, uh, people will be stoked for. Um, then on the contrary to that, it's, 
you know, the job's easy when it, an agent just sends over a singer songwriter or someone in like the folk realm or indie world or jam, especially we're like the Mecca for jam. So any of those, those are going to sell like hotcakes. So it doesn't really matter the name. You just book one of those. And, and that's what I mean by the market. Like obviously fish is from here. J jam is just a thing up here. So all the jam bands that come through always say, Oh, this is legendary. Like we love playing here, you know, but then on the, you know, as opposed to that, we'll get heavy bands that come in and be like, eh. you know, we played Philly two nights ago and sold out 2,500 and we're selling like 300 tickets in Northern Vermont. Like, fuck this. <clears throat> yeah, Jeremy, I was I'm glad you talked about that because I was going to ask you to talk a little bit more about that because I think that the the market question is like super interesting. So it seems to me. Uh, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me like the A markets that you mentioned, right, when you're talking about like big cities like New York, Boston, D.C., Philly, whatever, there's going to be there's going to be something there's going to be an opportunity for any genre. It might be like a small club, right? It might be like the grog shop in Cleveland or something, right? It might be something tiny, but like any genre can play in any of these big cities and and find like a good a good place and like even if it's a small group, like really intense fans, right? But in a C market, in a smaller place, something like Burlington, or probably even like I would say Syracuse and Rochester, even though I think they're I think they're decently bigger than Burlington, but I can't remember current population numbers. In any case, it was super interesting because so Jeremy and I in November, just this past November, we saw um, our favorite band at Jeremy's Club uh, at Higher Ground, our favorite band, Travel by Turtles, um, and the opener was another one of our favorite artists, Amigo the Devil, and and. I was kind of surprised. I don't think Jeremy was. I was kind of surprised at the lukewarm response, kind of, uh, from the crowd. Um, and it's just really interesting because Jeremy was telling me after the fact about, like, kind of the market and about how, like, when it comes to this sort of acoustic instruments, bluegrassy style, whatever, this influence, like, up there, they fucking love jam bands. Trampled by Turtles is not a fucking jam band. You know, they're, they're, they're like, fucking three minutes, like in your face like fucking punk rock on acoustic instruments or like really beautiful singer songwriter ballads but it's like it's not at all jam um and and amigo they they it was like they didn't even know what to make of amigo they it was like they were confused by amigo really oh, oh man yeah. like that that's a I, i'm so wow yeah yeah they they were it was weird but but uh, i was i was hoping you would talk about that jeremy yeah not not necessarily you don't need to go into detail on that show but just the whole market thing is like super interesting and i guess um so in your job now so you said you made it a personal goal to try and like help the heavy scene and everything like that but i assume that you still have to um you have to keep some sort of balance right you have to you have to be probably prioritizing the genres that you know are going to sell, right? You probably have to pick and choose when you can try to go out on a limb. Is that right? I mean, there's definitely things I'm still learning. Um, and that's definitely true. Um, you know, there's quotas that need to be met every month. You know, there's a projected amount of shows I'm supposed to have. So that's kind of like the baseline is that um, what I love about this job versus previous endeavors is it, it scratches that part of the brain that's um you know really kind of puzzling like it's a lot of strategy to kind of think about ahead of time you know i'm looking at a calendar and every day's got multiple bands listed and you know you're trying to build programming for a venue and yeah you really want to avoid putting three big jam bands in one week or like two dubstep artists in one week or something because that's ultimately going to split draw you know we're not in a major city where the, if group A doesn't have enough money for two shows a week and group B does, like we're not that up here. Whereas, you know, you go to New York City, you could have these artists every single night of the week and it's going to sell because there's people. Um, so that's a big factor, like, you know, that has to be considered is it's a working class blue collar community. Like not everyone can go out to concerts every single day and be fortunate like I am where I haven't paid for a ticket in years pretty much <laughs> we go to you know, a fun destination venue. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's cool. It's fun. It's, it's, I'm sorry. I can't like explain it better right now, but um, no, no, I think you're, you're doing, doing good. Fine. Like okay. I just looked up, I didn't realize Chittenden County is only, it's a third of the size of Onondaga County. So Essentially, if you're just looking at the county, which you're going to pull from a wider, you know, you know, Ethan went up from from D.C. to see the show for Trample. But, um, you know, Onondaga County is about half a million people in the Syracuse area. 
I didn't I didn't think it was that much bigger than Burlington, but it is. Holy crap. So yeah, you've got to know you've really got to kind of have your pulse on um where people are going to spend their money, what they want to spend it on. And like you said, what what are people going to enjoy the most, right? You know, that the the sellout's a great indicator of hey, this is what people want and it's making people happy. Um, but you know, you, you can't expect to sell at every show, right? So how do you how do you try and maximize the number of people you get in the in the door? And for the club's sake and for the music scene's sake and for the, the artist's sake. So um I don't know, that sounds like uh when you when you add that to the fact that like music tastes and scenes change all the time, it just sounds like a puzzle that you're always working on that will never you'll never solve. But if you can get a decent um, uh, amount of the puzzle put together, you're going to be fine. Uh, well, that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, I, I want to touch on that now that I, it, it drew something up. Um, TikTok. Any of you guys use TikTok? No, yeah, I'm old. I think We're I'm using too old for TikTok too. And that's a huge, huge, huge market. That is that is all Gen Z right there. Holy shit. And we've okay. had like five sold out shows in the last year of artists I've never heard of that strictly got their notoriety through COVID on TikTok. Holy fuck. Uh, now, like, uh, yeah, that, I, I saw my first TikTok last Wednesday it was a TikTok famous singer songwriter um, that you know, my girlfriend and I happened to hear on um, on the radio in an Uber. <laughs> and we're like, oh, this is pretty good. And we went and saw it. And yeah, it, his name was Steven Sanchez. Oh, He's yeah, got- we just had him. That sold out. Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 he <laughs> Holy shit. The, the world, the little club cafe here on um, Drexel and UPenn's campus. And they moved him to the bigger, the bigger stage. Um, and I think it was still probably pretty close to a sellout. And again, it was it was wild. I I couldn't believe like I had never really heard of heard of him or heard much of what he had done. Um, but there was all of these like super duper fangirls screaming. Like he just had like all he do is like wink at someone in the front row and then like <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'd never even heard of this guy. Yeah, uh, but you know, he did Conan, he did um well, not Conan, he did a couple of the late night shows. But he but he literally got famous just from TikTok. Is yep. this he started in during the pandemic? Um, in his bedroom on a guitar. Holy now, he, he's pretty good. He's pretty damn good. But yeah, yeah, um, that's amazing. Okay, so all right, so yeah, so Jeremy, so so you've been like scouting TikTok? No, no, um, <laughs> no, not you. Okay, job, thankfully. Oh, so, that's the agent's job. Yeah, so you know that that's kind of coming back. You know, <laughs> kind of two ways, two three ways to go about it. You know, it's a complicated complicated process. You know, there's there's Path A, which is what I want to do first and foremost, which is the bands I want to book just because I think they'll do well or it's a passion project. There's B, you know, got to make the club money. And there's C, kind of just appease agents. You know what I mean? Like we're an established enough venue that an agent from a major agency is going to reach out and be like, hey, here's so-and-so's EPK. They have X amount of views on Spotify and YouTube and whatnot. What's, sorry, EPK is what? Uh, electronic press kit. Sorry. Um, think of it as like a resume, but for a band. Okay. Um, yeah. So they send that Got along. Okay. They send out along numbers and stuff like that and kind of just play a little bit of back and forth on offering them a deal. And we're in kind of a niche market and location. So we are one of the only to my knowledge, um, venues in the country that still does door deals, at least at our size of bands. Um, most do guarantees nowadays, um, but you know, with us being independent and being in kind of a corner of the country, um, we, we can kind of still get away with it, which is, which is cool. Um, and honestly, doing guarantees versus door deals, sometimes you walk away with more money on a door deal anyway. It's all about percentages and stuff, but I won't get into that. Um, where was I going? I'm, I'm very spread out tonight. Yeah, we've been we've been making you bounce all over the place. Yeah. That's 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 partially on us. So. Well, if we're bouncing all over um, the place, have you heard about the band Electric Six? I'm just kidding. Kidding. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're not anywhere yeah. in uh chicago indiana wisconsin or uh michigan they're not gonna they're not gonna be worth it i wonder i <laughs> but i Europe. wonder if they could do i wonder how they would do in burlington i wonder if there's like enough like kind of weirdo hipsters in burlington that like electric six could do well in maybe the small room 
the weird hipsy uh, sorry weird hipster indie stuff and the weird hippie stuff all does really well i've seen some really really cool far out just like music shows in yeah this, and that's why i love the small room uh, specifically uh it's called the showcase lounge and i've played some of the best shows of my life on there i've seen some of the best shows of my life in that room like it, there's something really magical about that that small level um 300 cap is what we are it's you see a lot of these bands that come in and play to like 12 people and blow your minds they come back the next time and play 150 next time they're selling out 5,000 at the fairgrounds yeah so that's a really really cool um factor of our venue is we get to really build with these bands and grow with them and like i know so many bands that i've seen go from there to the other end of the spectrum and it's just like oh yeah i know those guys and it's yeah. a pretty cool experience and so maybe that electric six band could fit i don't know um, well it's weird because like uh they're huge in europe because they had two chart toppers in in the uk so like there's videos of them on the main stage at glastonbury with like a hundred thousand people in the crowd and then like oh i saw them with you know 75 people at a tiny club in cleveland and it's just it's kind of weird but um I don't know. I don't know how they do in, in Wisconsin or Wisconsin in Vermont. Matt is Electric Six's uh, biggest and best evangelist, I would say. It's, they should hire you. They really I've should probably hire seen you. them three dozen times. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's really incredible. So yeah. they're they're your trampled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've seen them in, geez, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight states and two countries. I think so. <laughs> you got a country? Uh, I saw them in Canada. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I, I drove to St. Catharines when I was uh, still in college and home for Christmas. And um, <clears throat> I, remember, I remember crossing the border and trying to explain to the Canadian border guard police, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to see a concert in St. Catharines. And he's like, will there be drugs there? <laughs> I was like, probably yes, but I'm not having any. So uh, he's like, okay, have a time. <laughs> but just like he got very serious and like had like the narrow eyes will there be drugs there the answer is always yes yeah. yeah. the answer is always there's music there's drugs <laughs> but, I yeah. guarantee it yep yep anyway sorry for that tangent I just had to bring it up <laughs> nah, I want to I look into them more now um, I've got one of Ethan's favorites on the line right now I can't say it yet because I don't want to jinx it but I'm really excited because that'll be a fun one to be like ha fuck you I booked this <laughs> uh, you, you haven't told me about this well yeah because like i just said i don't want to jinx it yet yeah but, but you could have told me off of the podcast yeah i know <laughs> this, well, is this, is <laughs> this is way more fun well now i'm wondering i'm like who who of my favorites because i don't i feel like i don't have that many there aren't that many people who are actively touring that i would consider a favorite really uh what, what about idea. what so. about john mellencamp and uh jack and diane he does love John Mellencamp. <laughs> and especially that song. It's my favorite song of all time. I love it so much that I just want to feel a rope squeezing really, really <laughs> tightly, tighter, 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 right around my neck. Isn't there that, that punk band from DC you like or something? Like, uh, well, that... there's a punk band from Toronto that's one of my favorites. That's Pop. Uh, that's maybe the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Also, punk band from DC, like... Is the is the least descriptive? Like I was just gonna say that's... that means nothing. It's like, <laughs> it's like saying, isn't there a grain of sand in the beach that you like? Like, <laughs> not saying that it's yeah. insignificant. It just means there's a ton of them. Yeah, that's where uh, Dave Kroll got his start. Yeah, wow. Or Dave Kroll, Nick Kroll is what I was thinking of. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> completely different guys, both rock stars. Yeah, right, right. Well, that's cool. I hope you get whoever it is, and and maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll even be able to make it up. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm trying to convince the parents to come up for Billy Strings. We got two night of him at the fairground. Oh, that's fucking cool. Are those already sold out? I bet they're already sold out. One of them is, yeah. Uh, only one. Okay, yeah. Because he he, he first, does really well up there. Right? Out real quick. He's a perfect yeah. example of like yeah. played the showcase. We had him booked in the ballroom right before the pandemic. That sold out in like 30 seconds, and then that show never happened because it would have been in June or whatever of 2020. We come back, and the first booking back with him did five or 6,000 tickets down at the fairgrounds. Yeah. So, yeah, he really has gotten huge the last couple of years. Like, he's yeah. like, yeah, he's fucking really big. Yeah, he sold out two two shows in Philly, one of the bigger uh, venues here 
Because yeah. it was one of those, ah, it'd be fun to see him. And then, like, yeah. nope, unless I was on in the first five minutes, I wasn't going. He pulls the old uh, string heads, like, you know, old bluegrass folks. Um, but he also gets the jam folks new and old and, like, kind of a little bit of the heavy metal crowd. Like, the he clearly came from that background. Um, and I think, like, just the the fact that he can pull from all of those worlds and blend something together is, is a really cool thing. And it's what I love about music is the constant reimagining and the bringing of people together. Cause you go to a show like Billy strings or even trampled probably have lots of different ideologies there and backgrounds there, but absolutely, you know, they're all there as mm-hmm. one in that moment. And that's, that's one of my favorite things about working in live music. The amount of times I've just like stopped what I was doing, you know, going from tunnel vision and, oh shit put out the fire mode and just stopped and appreciated it and you look out and you see like several thousand people singing along it's it's truly an amazing experience it's uh it makes you really grateful for all the bullshit you have to deal with otherwise that's got to be cool because you get like instant feedback like right you know that night whether or not your booking was good or not like well, that, that brings back to Ethan's point earlier. The Trampled show, it sold out so fast, but it was the most lackluster crowd I've ever seen for a Trampled show. And I was so stoked because yeah. the first time I saw them was in the Ogden Theater before they played Red Rocks a few years back. They would do a surprise show sometimes. And uh, we went with our uncle and aunt. And, well, I went with them. Yeah, and, you went, um, I was there that year. I, was, I had just turned 21. I was living out there doing my internship. And, oh, man, I got I got wasted and <laughs> i was i was in the middle of the pit like dancing by myself doing this spinning in circles singing every song and seeing them in a club environment was a really cool experience so that's like what i pictured what would happen in the higher ground and that was just like not the vibe at all which sucked but yeah yeah i mean they put on a good show yeah right yeah i mean yeah they put on a good show it was interesting it was they so the the new their new album had literally just come out like a few days ago i think and um they literally played there i think there's like 11 tracks on the new album they played every single one of them which i which i thought was cool i feel like a lot of bands and artists when they release a new album won't play their entire album uh in a in a, in a given set on tour you but, get three or four yeah yeah now granted trampled will usually does like say 24 25 songs per show so you if you want to play your whole record in 11 songs like you can you know but i was i was I was impressed by that. I mean, I think that's cool. I like the fact that they are like, hey, we want to play our new shit and here it is. And that's that's going to be what it's going to be. But yeah, the crowd was just like, um, yeah, just like really low energy. It was it was even even on the shit that like brings the house down, like like not not a ton of energy. It was it was really surprising. Yeah, uh, Vermont crowds can really be like that. That's what I wanted to like kind of circle back on earlier. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's that's a huge underplay for them. Trampled should not be playing a 750 cap room anymore. Right. And right. It was such a disappointing response. And I yeah. think a big part of it was the fact that they played songs that a lot of these folks had probably never heard of unless they were diehards like, you know, one yeah. of us where we listened to it the day it came out. Yeah. And probably every day, you know, in between. Yeah. Close to it. And these folks want to hear Wait So Long and Codeine and you know, Whiskey. So it's yeah. like. You know. And I think they, I mean, they did wait so long. I think they did whiskey and codeine. I can't remember. You gave, yeah, I have a set list. You gave me one. I have it. Um, I forgot to give you one. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I, it's actually right here. Yeah, yeah. Um, did, did I tell you guys that, Colin? Did you get no, 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 no. We, we were, we were, uh, the deal was that we were going to no, be No, no, I'm not saying you take advantage uh, of Jeremy's privilege. Uh, I'm saying okay. you get so drunk that you just uh, walk into the dressing room anyway and you shove it in their face like I did uh, an electric no, six no. concert. Nah, and I was. I still I was... feel bad with, about it this day. <laughs> I was probably considerably more drunk, and probably would have been the more uh, liable person to do that. I I was sober. I drove us. I drove us home after the show. So yeah, the, the lead know. guitarist for Electric Six literally screamed at me and said, "I'm taking my pants off," and I'm like, "Could you sign this, please?" <laughs> um, Oh man! Yeah, okay. that was that was not my most proud night. That's uh, there's other stories from that night, but we will, I digress. <laughs> so no, I'm not saying. No, I know, I know. There's a code, right? That Jeremy's got to follow, right? You, you know, you you're a professional. It's like it's like a, a clubhouse attendant for the major league. You don't ask for autographs, right? You you work with them. They are your coworkers, and you treat them with respect until you retire, and then you get what you need. <laughs> I've only yeah. asked for autographs once, and it's like my most prized possession. And the funny thing is. 
I think Ethan will probably only know. Actually, Matt, you might know. Um, but and it's uh, same person. Only time I've ever been starstruck at the club. Actually, two times, but they were both bass players. But Victor Wooten, um, yeah. <laughs> so him and Steve Bailey, who's this phenomenal bass player as well, they did a project called Bass Extremes, and it's just the two of them and this really nasty jazz drummer. And, like, the full record itself has, like, a bunch of different big new age jazz and some old folks, too. It's a huge collaborative effort, um, really nerdy shit. Like I said, it's, it's uh, you know, Victor's doing the rhythm stuff and Steve plays a fretless six string. So he's up here like type stuff. And it's just fucking mind blowing if you're a nerd. And so last time they came and played, I took the night off and was like, please sign this. <laughs> I bought a record and they signed it. And first time I met Victor, I was still on security. And I was like, I'm not supposed to talk to you guys, but like, I just want you to know that you're a huge inspiration and I love you. And I, I just am so grateful that you're at the club. It's an honor. And he was just like, thanks brother. And he like dabbed me up and hugged me. And I was just like, ah. <laughs> he just seems like such a cool guy. Like he, if, if you ever book the Flectones, I'll be there. Like I was going to say, yeah, he's like, he's been Bela's right hand man for like fucking three decades at this point. And not that I've ever met Bela, but I've seen like all sorts of like things he's written and videos he's made and stuff. And he seems like a complete mensch and, yeah. and, and him and Victor are like two peas in a pod. So I just, I assumed that Victor was, was the man also. So, so for Colin's sake, um, arguably the best bass player alive right now. Yeah. I mean, well, certainly I would say, I, mean, in, really I think Victor Wooten is probably more well known would be my guess. He's probably yeah. Victor for people who are like, as Jeremy says, super nerdy, right? I think if, if you know of any super famous, like amazing shredding bass player, it's probably Victor Wooten. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean he's the best. Certainly, yeah, okay. one, yeah, one of for he's sure. Got, he's got a a readily identifiable style. Oh yeah, that is incredibly technical, but also yeah. very melodic and fun to yeah. listen to. Yeah, no, he's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. top tier. No, sure. Who else is just like that? Who is the other person that I got super starstruck by? Thundercat. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, too. you told me about you told me about cool Thundercat, too. and I Weirdest hadn't known dude. about Thundercat. Weirdest dude. I don't even yeah. want to tell the story, but. Um, Super cool dude. Got starstruck by him at catering. He just came over and like grabbed the broccolis by his hands because he didn't like the bean sprouts and the rice or something like that. <laughs> he told me he was grabbing the broccoli to spite us. <laughs> is, just, you, grab. is he young, Jeremy? Did you tell me that? Isn't he like, he's kind of a younger guy, right? Yeah, he's probably, if I had to guess, somewhere around between our age range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Funny. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was a big time collaborator with Mac Miller, especially towards the end. They were like best friends. Every time they play a show, he always shouts out Mac. Um, he works a lot in the hip hop world, but his music's like pretty far out, funky, trippy, weird shit. He like walks around in a kimono and has like neon pink dreads and or braids or I'm not, I'm not sure what he had the last time. Um, but super cool dude, super funny um mac miller's tiny desk which is one of my favorites at least for a hip-hop show he comes out and he plays his uh yeah uh, his famous bass line on that song and dude just is killer bass player he, the shit he writes just has such a groove to it it's, it's smoother than butter nice yeah oh there he is wow all right wow yeah he looks uh he looks like an individual. I like it. You know, he sings in like a real high falsetto a lot of the time too, and it's just kind of like goofy. But the music is so like really actually well thought out and technical and insane. And it's, there's just this fun vibe to it too. Like he's big into anime and stuff, so it's yeah. a whole weird experience. He sold out. It, it's an underplay for him now. I've seen him play two sold out shows in our big room now, and amazing show if you ever get a chance to go and you really want to get weirded out to some fun jazz music jazzy poppy hip-hoppy r&b like i don't know it's genre old. bending yeah 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 well that's the thing nowadays right and i mean we we've talked about this this some um, well jeremy and i certainly have talked about this separately and i feel like i've talked about this on the pod right but like now we joke right jeremy and i drove a uh, joke about our 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 uh, music pedantry and how we could we could go on for for hours about various subgenres and and be really picky and we could but the interesting thing about that is also that genres in 2023 um in some senses are like 
not they're kind of useless compared to maybe what they would have been like 50 60 years ago not to say they're useless right i think i think they are still useful in the sense that like it can help it can help uh, connote some useful things right if you're trying to just get an overall idea of an artist's aesthetic for instance right but like there are so many artists nowadays right in this global society with technology being what it is i mean we have access to like any kind of music we want at at a moment's fucking notice right and and music that is being made now often reflects that right you have a lot of artists nowadays trampled included we were talking about trampled where there's just a lot of stuff going on in there and it's and it's kind of you can it's fun to talk at least for me for me and jeremy it's fun to talk about the influences that led to that but like you know just calling any of these bands like oh they're indie rock or oh they're like jazz fusion or whatever it's like I mean, that gives you a little bit of information, but it's actually not super uh, helpful anymore, right? There's just so much of that kind of mixing and, and kind of genre hybridness going on uh, uh, in in this generation, which, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, is is, is amazing and is, is really good for, for music. But um, yeah, just what you were saying, Jeremy, yeah, made me, made me think of that. Well, I do, I do have to say, you know, with the amount of great shows I've seen, I've worked probably five times as many shows that I didn't really care for. Um, and I will straight up say there are plenty of bands that still fit those molds and sound like someone else and uh, fair enough. totally uninspiring and somehow still sell out of ballroom and do really well. But that's just me being jaded. Uh, and it's like point, with, with right. voices, you know, I tell everyone, it's uh, someone asks, it's like, oh, it's heavy metal, it's hardcore, whatever. And, but, you know, this new record, I would describe it as progressive black and metalcore. <laughs> Wait, and I'm not aggressive black, black black and blackened like a like blackened. a blackened tuna. Mm. Like a blackened tuna. Blackened, yes. right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> so that, progressive that blackened metalcore. Yep. And so, you know, metalcore at its roots is is hardcore and heavy metal mixed. You know, you get more of the what you would call like a fight riff, um that kind of originates from the punk world and got further expanded on in the hardcore world um where it's music that makes you want to fight and they do like songs that are specifically in two steps and breakdowns and then metal is like comes a lot more from what you would think of as like the thrash metal riffs right like every metal band since metallica has ripped off metallica at one point and arguably right. speaking metallica ripped off dave mustaine but i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now <laughs> um, oh, man. and so the progressive aspect you know we are we consider ourselves genre bending as well and um musically progressive like things are a little bit more odd times weird key signatures things like that expanding from you know the blackened aspect which comes from black metal which is really disgusting and like blast beats really fast high screams stuff like that just really atrocious like abrasive music it will go from a part like that into something really heavy that, you know, would come from a hardcore band or something, just tuned down lower and made weird to fit us. And then we go into like a psychedelic jam session for a minute. So fucking love it. You know, that's the best way I can describe it as progressive black and metal chord. But like, if anyone <laughs> asks, I'm like, I don't know, dude, we, we play music and it's heavy sometimes. And sometimes it's not, and it's pretty. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. And that's yeah. the music that I strive to, you know, create. And that's the music that I, like the most uh despite where the genre roots are it's it's the stuff that really blends it together and creates like I, I like peaks and valleys like if i'm listening to a full record i love being taken on a journey and from start to finish that's why pink floyd is probably my favorite band of all time because to me almost every single one of their records feels like a journey and they yeah. were i i also good. consider them one of the first proto metal bands and people look at me like i'm insane but they wrote some pretty abrasive stuff back in the day, especially at the time when Sid Barrett didn't lose his mind yet. Their shit was weird and heavy and dissonant. And this was like 1966 or some shit. Yeah, it's really funny. Like, and this this is not to um, this is not to take credit away from the Beatles, although as all three of you know, uh, shitting on the Beatles has Ethan been loves the Beatles. has yeah. been one of my greatest passions throughout my life. You guys know, okay. So r real quick, a uh, side tangent here. 
you all know, and, and the listeners by now know this as well, that, that one of my great joys in life is trying to get a rise out of other people, trying to uh, scandalize other people, shock them with the things that I am willing to say, whatever, right? Insult, insult their, 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 deeply, um, their deeply held, cherished beliefs and opinions, right? I love doing all of that. Now, think about religion and politics. People, people get really, really fired up about religion and politics, and I have some very extreme views on that that are very uh, not mainstream. I have gotten a lot of people fired up about religion and politics in my lifetime, let me tell you. However, my number one, my, if, if I had one day left on earth and I, had, and I needed to just like piss people off, I wouldn't be talking about my atheism or my left, uh, leftist political beliefs. I would just talk shit about the Beatles. That's it. That is number one, okay? So for all of you all of you new and developing shit talkers out there, just shit on the Beatles. That's that's it. That's your number one thing. Anyways, that's the side tangent. The the actual response is it's really interesting because the Beatles obviously were super influential and important in so many ways. People talk about like Abbey Road and Sgt. Peppers and all of this and they talk about how experimental and, and the Beatles were like opening up doors and all this kind of thing. And it's like they were just one of many at that point. Like, like Floyd was doing weirder shit, like much weirder shit at the same time. Right. Um, and you, I mean, who, who's like, um, wasn't King Crimson already going in the late sixties, Jeremy? Is that right? Uh, Zappo is probably pretty close. I mean, he might've been more seventies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Velvet underground. Yeah. So, I mean, you had, yeah, you had like, and this is not to take away from the Beatles, even, you know, despite my despite my love of taking away from them. But like just to say that, yeah, like right there in the 60s, uh, not to mention Bob Dylan, this is which is interesting. People don't think of Dylan because in terms of the actual the the, the music, the actual instruments, the actual the, the sound of things, not that weird. But in terms of his lyrics, like go and check out some lyrics from fucking like Blonde on Blonde and uh, um God, why am I blanking on the other one that's even more famous? Um, uh, Highway 61 Revisited. Go and look at some of the lyrics. These are the, those are the two albums that are considered like his greatest. They're considered like two of the absolute masterpieces of popular music ever. Like in any list, they're like top 10, right? Go and look at some of the lyrics on some of those songs. Like, like Dylan must have been on like a ton of fucking hallucinogens and just writing crazy images one after another. And that was it, right? So there was like a ton of really interesting experimentation going on at that point, both musically and lyrically, you know? I've written some of my best or favorite lyrics that way. <laughs> experimentation. <laughs> experimentation. <laughs> Poetry class in college in northern Vermont was a good time. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, man. So what else we got? Are there any other... Uh, questions or things from Colin and Matt? Well, I do have some housekeeping really quick. Um, we posted about it last week and in what, three weeks from now, uh, we will be doing a live podcast episode, March 15th, 845 Eastern the, the Ides of March, but hopefully no Roman emperors will be uh, stabbed. Yeah, I, I was going to bring this up earlier when Jeremy was like, oh, we could do a, a show about this, but I don't want to go down. Like, no, we're doing a fucking you know, a uh, backyard baseball draft. We could talk about whatever the hell we want. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that too, Matt. <laughs> yes. in the show. So the, the headliner of the live show is the backyard baseball draft. However, before we do the draft, we are making it an open forum. Anyone can join you. Anyone from the audience picks the topics they can give their hot takes. They can just ask us and, and we can do our thing. It's, it's basically just dealer's choice when it comes to all that. And then we're, we talked about, you know, off the pod, we're going to find, figure out a way to get people involved in the draft too, which will be much faster than the, the last draft because there's less, less people. And there's really only one person that everybody wants. And yeah, exactly. Uh, whoever, whoever gets that number one pick will. Hey, you know, I've got a second pick already. in mind already. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. What did Matt say and what did Jeremy say to go separately? So I've got a second pick in mind already. Yeah, but there's one clear first pick oh, yeah. who's just Duh. better than everybody else because the game... I don't know. Okay, well, Jeremy, say your thing first and then I have something to say about that. <laughs> Fuck Pablo. Pete Wheeler's where it's <laughs> I actually love Pete Wheeler. I yes. always got yes. Pete Wheeler. That's amazing. That's my number two. That's amazing. Okay. Dude hits dingers. Pete Wheeler, yeah, he hits dingers and he's fast as shit. Pete Wheeler's awesome. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, 
as a now the game designers did some amazing things with that game but one thing i've always been confused about is like so there's like the four main categories that like each player has right and pablo was like a 10 a 10 a 9 and like a 7 or something nobody else is even like remotely close to that good at that many things i just wonder why they did like why make one person that much better like it just seems insane secret weapon yeah i, I made him yes. yeah He's this little unassuming kid, like you he's know, got his little pot belly. Pot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like an, an eight year old with a pot belly. Yeah, yeah. Also, Ethan, it's not a ten. It's it's a ranking from zero to four baseballs. <laughs> it was ten on the. It was ten on the one I used to play. Ten baseballs. What's the one you're? What are you looking at? Uh, on the, was the OG only four? The O. I mean. Because I played a lot of Backyard 2001, and that was definitely 10 did, baseballs. Did you play on the computer or no? Computer, yeah. Yeah, so... 10 sounds right to me, too, though. Okay, 10 is yeah. what I know. This well, is what I remember. That's the original. Kyle, that's what do you original. remember? That, 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 what Matt's shown right now is the original one. I can okay. just tell by the, by the graphics. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I played both, but I, I literally can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. played the one that had some major league... Stars in it, so you can that, like draft. Yeah, that's that's two thousand one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like draft Randy Johnson. Yeah, Barry yeah. Bonds, A Rod. Yeah, they were all on there. Yep. Oh no, this, this. I mean, this only had like like six major leaguers in it. Oh well, two thousand and one had a bunch. Two thousand and one had a player from every single team. There was there was. Oh like no a no, this did not. Yeah, this did not. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So there must have been one before oh one where they where they just had a couple. I I didn't yeah. know that. I don't know. So, anyways, Colin, sorry, finish the housekeeping. So, we're doing a backyard baseball draft, open forum, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I will drop the link in both the show notes, and then we'll post about it again tomorrow. We'll post about it every week leading up to it. Incredibly, we already have people signed up for it. Wait, we do? Really? We do. I didn't think it was. I didn't think anybody was going to show up. <laughs> what, what, okay, but are are they people not related to any of us? Yes. Whoa. Okay. They, I don't. I don't even know. Um, at least one one person. Okay, I, wait, wait, well, well, what's what's their name? I, I I'll get it for you off. It's <sighs> it's on my other laptop. Anticlimactic. <laughs> I'm shocked. I didn't. I thought it was going to be just the three of us as usual. I mean, signing up for it and showing up is a different thing, right? Hey, so it, it could I'm still, imp- I'm still impressed. In the right direction. I'm impressed that anybody signed up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So keep keep signing up. I will send. So the reason you have to sign up is because I need your email so that I can send a unique Zoom link out on the day of the event. So I will get that to everybody on the 15th, including us three. We'll, we'll use a different room than we normally use so we can do a little bit more with theatrics and have some fun and everything. But um, where do you sign up? I told you already. I'm going to drop the link in the show notes and I will post about it. Yeah, uh, well. where else? Colin, Colin on my uh, Facebook because we've shared it. Ethan has not. I shared it on my Instagram story. Thank you very much. On the story, true. but that, that that disappears after 24 hours. That's, that's all true. you. That's the best you're going to get from me. So that's true. That's what, what, Jeremy, what what are you what are you asking about? Where where people? Well, can he's sign not up? he's not going to listen to this episode, so he won't find it in the show notes in this episode. Where else can he find it? Who? Oh, that's what Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy. Where can he find it? I'm going to post about it tomorrow. What a show note was. Oh, it's like the little blurb underneath the thingy in the podcast app. Yeah, I'm thinking of it from my like work perspective, and it threw me away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, you guys like do follow-up emails after this? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you release a playbill for every episode, actually? <laughs> and there's a unique link in the playbill. <laughs> this episode with Jeremy was weird. He hijacked it. Talked about music a lot. <laughs> no, it's good. Actually, Jeremy, while we're talking, we, we briefly mentioned the uh, previous draft. Now that you've had some time to really think about it, who do you think won the draft? Who did I say on the comment? I think I said Matt. I don't okay. remember. I got to say. I commented on it when it came out, and I'm pretty sure it was Matt. I got to say, Matt, okay. No, Matt's was the best stats. It was yours, Colin. It was definitely you, Colin. Okay, this yeah. is bullshit. I have to say, I got to talk about. I've been I'm meaning gonna, to talk I'm, I'm about pull this. It up. You, you get yeah, it working. I've been yeah. meaning to talk about this because this is some bullshit. Because I, I saw barely anybody pick my team. Most people are going for Matt and Colin. <laughs> now, Matt, I can understand if you want to be lazy and you just want to go by war. If you yes. want to go by cumulative war, you pick Matt. Fine. Okay, that's lazy, but okay, it's fine. Okay, look at my team. Are you kidding me? 
I have fucking Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Adrian Beltre, Albert Pujols, Manny Ramirez all in their prime. Joe mm-hmm. Maurer in their prime. Roger Clemens in his prime. Well, Joe Maurer was kind of a weak pick, I must say. I he he hit say. 365 that year, Mr. Batting Average Lover. Yeah, so it, <laughs> no, no you, you can't have it both ways. You can't shit on batting average and then turn and say, oh, Joe Maurer had a... I'm just saying, I know, I know my audience. I know my audience. He had 28 home runs. Thank you very much. Okay, wow. Okay, great. Still. He was fucking amazing. I know my audience. I know you get a hard on for fucking batting average. Joe Maurer, a catcher, hit 365. Thank OPS. you very much. I don't know. I'd have to look it up again. Point being, I'm just saying, listen, all three teams are obviously ridiculous, but I'm just saying, like, I'm very happy with my team. And I, like, I mean, I look at my team and I'm like, God damn, that's impressive. So I don't know. The one thing I'm, I'm trying to do in my head really quick. Um, so Matt, you've got one, let's see, one, two, 10 war years are you looking three. at? No, I'm looking oh. at uh championships. Oh, How many okay, did Ortiz okay. have? Uh three. 04, 07, and 13. And 13. Yeah. So I think you have combined five championships because I think Pedro got one with the Sox and Ricky got one with Oakland in 89, I think. Did Mookie win one with Los Angeles? Uh Mookie won one with the uh the Red Sox. Oh, with Boston. Oh, yeah, 2018. Yeah. Duh. Oh, that, and that that exactly. And the Dodgers. And the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're up to what nine nine total. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. Ethan, you've got two from Clemens. I don't know how you remember this. Two Jesus from Christ. Pujols, I think. Yeah, but we're not looking at the whole career. We're looking at the year. Yeah, I know. I'm just. I'm he just was saying. counting okay, total well, then, championships, though. Okay. Okay. Well. If you want to do it like that, then I've got co-World Series MVP, Randy Johnson, World Series MVP, Mariano Rivera. Uh, uh, no, anyone else? No, who... But 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 that's that's flawed logic or else like if we had a football analog, then that's like saying Eli would have value over anyone else because he, he would. happened to play a good game in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but if you're picking him Twice. on the basis of a great season, he would never two. qualify. Two Super Bowls. He would two never Super Bowls. qualify. Two, two Super he Bowl got wins. Lucky in one game. Two Super Bowl amazing, MVPs. Amazing, amazing and he carried. He carried the Giants you can't have offense. Both ways. Two two Super Bowl wins, Matt. Yeah, Matt just gets so salty. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, he's a career it. 500 quarterback. <laughs> oh, All right. Well, okay. Another another question then, just related to this, really quickly honestly war whatever whatever you want to use who do you think had the best season out of our three teams pedro that's actually a really good question um i think it depends on how you value defense and how much you trust various defensive metrics right because i think one of the big things with ripken in 91 Offensively, he was very good, but offensively, he was nothing compared to plenty of the seasons that are on this list, right? It was just, it was very good, right? And obviously, excellent for a shortstop. But I think a lot of his value came from, he he was like a revelation defensively. Joe Paz talked about it in the Baseball 100, right? Like, in his younger years, in his prime, he 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 was fucking legendary as a defensive shortstop. So it depends on how you look at that and how you define those metrics. If you look at it like that, I mean, in my mind, 91 Ripken is like, a serious candidate. Um, but if you, you know, if you think of the defense aspect as being a little murky, a little bit hard to define, to divine, uh, then 2000 Pedro is hard to argue with. 2004 Bonds is hard to argue with. I mean, the dude walked 232 times. He had a 609 on base percentage, people. A 609 on base percentage. I'm not talking about OPS. A 609 on base percentage. Like, he literally broke baseball, right? Um, but I think, yeah, 2000 Pedro, 2004 Bonds, maybe 91 Ripken, depending on how you want to think about defense. That's that's my that's my gut in, uh, instinct on that. Pedro and Bonds would be the two choices. Yeah. I mean, they just dominated. It's interesting, though, because in Clemen, Clemens's war, his combined war is actually higher. But by uh, by um, or t- all. Yep. Just barely higher than Bonds uh, by a by a tenth of yeah. a point. Um, if you combine baseball uh, war, baseball reference war, and Fangraphs war, the Clemens ninety seven year 
is actually the highest out of all of these seasons if you if you add up those two wars. But it's interesting. You look at the Clemens numbers that year, and at least the numbers we look at, like they're not as impressive as the Pedro 2000 year or the Randy 2001 year. So I don't really know. I'd have to go and look again to see why, you know, to refresh myself and try to figure out why he's like, why the, the Clemens 97 is, is that highly rated, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Hey, really quick, jumping back. Joe Meyer wasn't even in the top 10 of OPS that year, so you can can it with his 328 batting average. 365 batting average, 28 homers. No, no, 328 batting average, right? I thought it was 365 that year, no? All right. Did I just set up my whole argument based on something I missed? Oh, you're looking I, at 2009. Yeah, 2009. Okay. okay, I was looking at 2008. He might not have been top 10 OPS. No, no, know. he he led the league in OPS in 2009. Okay. Aha, there you go. You stepped in it. That's okay. All right, one more nerdy baseball thing, and then we can finish out however you guys want to do. But I, I absolutely had to talk about this because I think it is one of the most hilarious things I've ever read about. So Joe Paz wrote about this in his sub stack the other day. Uh, Vince Coleman, in 1986, he hit 232 with a 301 on-base percentage and still stole 107 bases. Wasn't that fucking amazing? So he broke it down. So <laughs> just hearing it alone is is pretty crazy. But he broke it down. He said the number of times Coleman reached on an error, he reached base a total of 209 times that season. So 209 times, eight of those were triples. So he didn't steal home the entire year. And um, that means basically 201 times he reached base. He tried to steal 121 of those times, and he was successful 107 times, 88% success rate. Like, just unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, I guess there could be people like that in today's game, but, like, they would just never last on the roster. They would never be full-time players. Yeah. You know? Like, it's, yeah. it's just such, such a different game. But Yeah. I mean, his career, I'm looking at it right now, his career OPS plus was 83. So we're, we're talking about a, a, a person who was a well below average hitter, right? Like, just a bad hitter, really, if we're, if we're just being honest about it. But holy fuck, he must. I got to go and watch some highlights of him. His first yeah. three years, 110 stolen bases, 107 stolen bases. And then 109 stolen bases, his first three years in the league. Like, he must have been ungodly fast. Like, it must just be insane. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. 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 So Head fucking share. wild. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Yeah. Um, well, Ethan, the only other thing I have on here, uh, otherwise y'all can bring us home however you want. You wanted to talk about relegation, which I know, again, friend of the podcast, Joe Posnanski talked about. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Well, so that was what had reminded me of it. But I, I don't know that we should today because I want to have like more of a full conversation about it. Um, and we've already been on for an hour. So I think maybe we save it for next time because I because I really want to get into it. I think it's uh, uh, um, a super interesting conversation. And uh, I only know about it because of Ted Lasso. So thank you, Ted Lasso, because I don't pay attention to soccer. I never would have known about the relegation promotion system if I hadn't watched Ted Lasso. Yeah, you, you suck, you go down, you go away. So, yeah. And, but I want to talk about it, and I want to – because I, I don't – you guys remind me, but I don't know that we've talked about it on the pod really, have we? We've talked about – are you talking about like a salary floor or salary cap in baseball? Well, we've talked about that, but I'm talking about like actual relegation and promotion of teams and like separate leagues and things like yeah, this. Yeah, no, no. And I want to dig into that. I'm very curious what you guys think, and I want to kind of get into that. So let's 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 save it for next time because I want to talk about the, the viability of that system in American sports um, and specifically in, in Major League Baseball. Now, it seems like it's kind of a moot point because it seems like that will never fly in this country maybe, but – um, but I still think it's a super interesting conversation. So I want to do It's not viable because the major league teams own the minor league teams. So let's so let's dig into it next time. Yeah, and let's and, and, and that, Matt, that's our episode right there. And, and Matt, you can uh, <laughs> and you can elaborate on you can elaborate on all of that. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds good. Well, brother Jeremy, you can take us home in a second, but I just want to say again that draft is coming up in three weeks. I just got someone else who texted me tonight about the draft that we just talked about, like that episode by far the most popular episode we've ever done. Like we had so many people talking about it on social media. People have reached out to me. I don't know if anybody reached out to you guys, but it's definitely, definitely a very popular episode. Oh, so, wow. That's um, hilarious. Cause I yeah. thought people were going to be bored out of their fucking minds. So yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool feedback to hear from people, but yeah. Brother Jeremy, take us home. Uh, as far as my feedback goes, I mean, obviously I don't have the level of nerd dumb for baseball as you guys do, but I did really enjoy that episode as well. Um, thanks for having me again. This was fun. Shout out Lawson's drink Vermont beer. Oh yeah. Matt, did you see uh, Jeremy's Lawson's hat? Yeah, that's yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. I was looking at some double sunshine with grapefruit the other day on the shelf at the beer store and I passed on it and I regret it to this day. <laughs> they got a, a maple like red ale or brown ale. Oh, maple nipple. Yeah, maybe. No, it's uh, it's mad river maple. Okay. Okay. That one's wicked good. You would ex- like, I, I was expecting it to be w- uh, like way too sweet, but no, it's like tastes like beer first and foremost and has like a really nice maple smoky aftertaste. Um, that's like pretty subtle, but like just as smooth as can be. So shout out Lawson, shout out Switchback, BB Co. We have the best beer in the world. You don't. Haha. <laughs> um, okay. And and just so you guys don't think I'm crazy, Mad River Maple used to be called Maple Nipple. Okay. okay. I'm not crazy. When okay. it comes to beer, when it comes to beer, I never ever never doubt you, Matt. Never yeah, doubt. But I see why they I see why they changed name because when my dad bought it a couple of years ago in Syracuse, he would just giggle. <laughs> I mean, maple nipple, that's kind of fun. I mean, that's just, you know, that's objectively fun sounds to make with your mouth, you know. So maybe that'll be our band. Yeah, one yeah I agree. Maple I nipple. Agree. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry, Jeremy. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say, but thank you. Uh, good talking with y'all. Good seeing you all. Wait, we any did. other shout outs? Can I say it? <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't do it. Please. Don't. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. Ah. <laughs> oh my God. Stop recording. We're done. We're done. We're done here. <laughs> You're still recording. Stop yeah, this, is, this should be Colin's proudest moment. A guest fucking volunteered to say we are. This is this is terrible. Ugh. So good. Thank you, Brother Jeremy. Thank you, Brother Lame. Cole. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.